Hi, I'm Gar Sanders. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm Lee Holdsworth. I'm James Courtney. We're the Forex Angels, and you're listening to the VA Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. Lowndes dominates. The car has been working extremely well from the outset. Young guns shine. Uh, this, I expected this to be my worst round. And what format do the drivers want? It's, it's probably not what we want, it's what the fans want. That's all coming up today as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. This news update is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. Craig Lowndes took three wins from three starts at Queensland Raceway. Could the Triple Eight driver ask for anything more? Um, probably a lap record, but no. Roland Dane put his stamp of approval on their performance. From uh, from Craig's point of view, that was one of his best ever weekends with us, and undoubtedly, and he was uh, quick all weekend, um, and he didn't really put a foot wrong. So, uh, it, it was an exceptionally good, uh, exceptionally good weekend. Jamie Winkup's second place on Saturday felt a long, long way away when he was forced to pit before the start of the race. Dane explains why. Yeah, we made one of the um, the oldest uh, mistakes in motor racing, really, and uh, and left the uh, the the covers on the on the trumpets when uh, when the airbox cover was put on, and uh, we're not the first people to do it, but. Uh, uh, it was a very silly mistake. Does Dane put any blame on Wing Cup getting a pit lane penalty on top of having to come in before the start? To be to be too critical of that, to be honest, in the in the circumstances is uh, is silly. Go back to the root cause of the problem, put that right. Don't uh, don't look at what happened uh, afterwards. You know the problem was a team issue, not a Jamie issue. Tim Slane marked the weekend with a career best. Not off the podium in any of the three races. I guess we're all quietly confident that um, if we're going to do it, that uh, this was going to be the place that we're going to do it at. Slade's teammate Van Gisbergen also finished on the podium on Sunday and is confident that his momentum is strong going into the 500. The pace they had was uh, really good. So, um, you know, we've got to work on it. We've got a couple of endurance races coming up. So hopefully Johnny Mack and I can put it together there. We were quite competitive, but it didn't go our way, so... You know, it's been a few bad years at the Enduro, so we're due for something good there. Stone Brothers Racing had all three of its cars in the top eight, with the factory Ford team's three cars in the bottom ten places. But Ross Stone was not getting dragged into any posturing while the future of the Ford funding was being discussed. Yeah, well, there's lots of stuff going on everywhere, so... um to, you know, for us, um, having two guys on the podium, that's what it's all about this weekend and next week we get back into that and have a look, we'll see what's going down. Alan Gow and Ryan Walkinshaw were both at Queensland Raceway to see what, what was going on at HRT. Gow, who manages James Courtney, talked about what they said to the team 
and to its new boss. I had no involvement in, in, in that management change um, other than the fact that we, uh, we, uh, we, we made our displeasure run uh, quite well known within HRT at, uh, at, uh, at the performance of the, of the cars this year. Ryan Walkinshaw told the assembled medias what his father's best piece of advice was. A trusted journalist. Walkinshaw also foreshadowed more change at the iconic team. At the moment, I think we've got a pretty solid team in place. Um, I think the one thing it was really lacking was a strong leader, and I think we've just proven that we've got the next guy to, to fulfil that role. Um, at the end of the day, he's going to be taking over in, uh, as, of de- end of, as of December, and I think any further changes will be between him uh, for next season, obviously, and then uh, in the meantime... Any more changes in the structure, I think it's more of a question for Ivan or, or Mike, to be honest. I think we need to get consistency rather than start playing around with anything. Todd Kelly announced leading into the Queensland event that he would be shifting his focus back to driving, with John Crennan taking over the day-to-day operations of Kelly Racing. Restructure, probably one of the bigger restructures we've had in top-level management, and it's really designed to take a little bit more load off Rick and I so that we can... Um, still have control of the business but in a, in a much more streamlined manner and allow us to refocus much more energy into both of our driving. Andrew Thompson wrapped up another Fujitsu Series win at Queensland Raceway grabbing a hard-fought victory against David Russell in race number three. You know there was a little bit of pressure being our home round and you know we've uh, been strong so far this season so had to uh, you know work away. David Russell told the V8 insiders that he felt the officials need to reassess the penalties after losing 25 points on Saturday. I got penalised for for an incident in the first race, which was um, which to be honest I could have fought it a, a bit harder. Um, which was an incident with uh, Andy Jones. I went and apologised to him, which I didn't really think that I had to apologise because um, yeah, I thought he moved quite heavily under brakes um, when when I was clearly up the inside. So I was a bit bit displeased about that. I wasn't too happy, but we copped the penalty and we would have been on the podium if with the points that we had. We got a 25-point penalty. And the thing that's absolutely ridiculous is I had a, a, a knocked him on the rear, rear bar and sent him wide on the course um, and I got a 25-point penalty. Um, Jack Perkins goes into turn three with all four smoking um, into and, and takes out and, and mayhem breaks loose. And what penalty did he get? He got a 25-point penalty, which to, to me absolutely reeks. Paul Morris grabbed second place on the weekend and said he believes that his next main game driver will come from the Fujitsu Series grid. I definitely think we will. It is. You've got to look to the future and, and uh, young guys are where it's at. The top five guys that could, could make it in the main game, no worries at all. And there's some guys in there that need to get out of it and give these guys a crack. You know, they're, they're, they're warm in seats by having a big profile and they just need to piss off and give these blokes a run. Scott McLaughlin scored his first race win in race number one, finishing third overall for the weekend. The young New Zealander thrilled with the result. It's um, it's definitely a, a good a, a good confidence booster for me and the whole team. So we'll keep keep travelling and see how we go. Back to the main game now, and Dave Reynolds also showed some great speed this weekend. But the real question was. When will he get his starring role in the V8 Supercar Showdown? Well, I, d- I did some stuff for him. You know, I did some, you know, funny stuff for the show, but I don't know where it's going to end up. I'll probably cut it out because, you know, knowing me, being a bit rude sometimes, a bit funny. They Are don't you? like it. They don't appreciate it. Uh, you probably put the wind up a few of these contestants, I'm sure. Oh, it's not so much the contestants, my two bosses that pay my bills. <laughs> could be career limiting. It could be. We've just got to wait and find out if they play it. 
And that's the news on the V8 Insiders. After the break, James Moffat's rookie year continues. Then later we find out what race format the drivers would like to see in the series. News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X Magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Well, James Moffat, the rookie year continues and uh, a lot of people are saying it was less a rookie year and more like 1976 with Johnson and Moffat going at it from time to time on the racetrack. Uh, gets a good feeling, I guess, to pass your teammate because you know what gear he's got. Oh, yeah, exactly right. So, But at the end of the day, we are, we are a team and we're a good team. So, um, you know, we know we're, uh, we're out there to do the best for uh, for everybody involved. So, uh, you look, it's been a good weekend. You know, it was a good weekend for us out here at, at Queensland Raceway. So, um, yeah, um, happy with the result. I was wondering if you're getting paid by how many passes you made as a bonus 12 in the first race, and what was that, another 7 or 8 in the race on Sunday? I wish I was getting paid, but, uh, yeah, look, the, the car was absolutely mega in, in the race today on Sunday, so I'm um, really proud of my, my guys. You know, my engineer, Perry, did an awesome job, and uh, it was a real pleasure to drive a car that good. So um, if I uh, hadn't have made a, I've made a bit of a mistake trying to pass Rick, Rick Kelly into uh, Turn 4 about halfway through the race, which probably cost me... Uh, three or four seconds and, and a few positions and um, then unfortunately I stalled on my last pit stop so that cost me a, a good chunk of time as well so um, to uh, miss the podium by a couple of seconds is, is a bit frustrating but at the same time you know given that it is my first year uh, pretty good result. You're used to long breaks in between races running the Fujitsu series last year how did you find this break in the main game? Well it wasn't wasn't really much of a break it was five weeks but we were uh we were pretty flat out in that period. We had some uh, corporate ride days to do for our fantastic sponsors in Jim Beam and Norton, Toshiba, Ford, all those type of guys. So uh, we uh, we were plenty busy enough. And, uh, of course, we, well, we, we did a, a test day out here a couple of weeks ago. So uh, whilst it was, a, I guess, a mini break, it, there wasn't much of a break there. And, and the team, you know, I think the results have showed this weekend we had... Uh, both cars in the top 10 in all three races um, had it, we had a bit of a glitch in Saturday qualifying where we probably missed the setup a bit but uh, the team did a great job to uh, to recover and, and give us cars that we could drive into the top 10 well congratulations on today and all the best thanks very much Craig cheers Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders Taking the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. 
Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Craig Lance from Team Vodafone, and you're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us this week from Speed Cafe, it's Grant Rowley. Good evening, Grant. Good evening. Thanks for having me. And from Fox Sports, Ben Beasley. Ben, great to have you on the show again. Great to be here. Now, Queensland Raceway. Ben, what did you think of half-time in motor racing? I think it, it was good in terms of uh, creating some drama. There wasn't too much drama actually out of that first race. It would have really been interesting if uh, the incidents we saw in the second race had occurred in the first race because we saw quite a few bent cars after the second race. But the only real thing that um, was a little bit of work required to Garth Tander's car who had a puncture. But I think, you know, the important thing was it provided that element of um, seeing an extra two races in very quick succession. So that did work. The one thing I would say was that we were fortunate to be at the race and there was a, a plenty going on and maybe capturing what's plenty going on is always difficult to show on television. But there was three or four great battles throughout the race. Probably what would have been interesting was um, it was probably at the length of it was determined on the fuel. But just as cars started to really um, you know, lose the, the good tyre life out of their tyres in the last few laps, it would have been interesting to see maybe another three or four laps to really mix up the results at the end. Grant, your impressions? Oh, look, I thought it was good. It was good, certainly good to mix up the formats that we've seen that we've seen this year. Certainly something unique. Like it, it didn't, for me, didn't produce uh, you know exciting, brilliant racing. But uh, perhaps that was just uh, uh, Queensland Raceway itself, rather than the, the format they chose. They chose. But um, you know, uh, it's always good to see them try something different, especially at these. Uh, permanent tracks, which uh, you know, maybe two 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 hundred kilometre races, um, I don't know, really wouldn't have suited. Or you know, it was just uh, yeah. Look again, it was just good to good to see something different. Mm. Now, of course, uh, you guys normally leave the track after dark, and I don't know about you, but I find Ipswich in August gets quite cold at night. This race was muted at times to be a night race. Do they really need to make it a summer event and run it at night for it to really work? Because who wants to go and watch cars racing around the track in one-degree overnight temperatures? Grant? Look, in summertime at Queensland Raceway this year, the the track was underwater, so I don't know if uh, summer or winter is really going to affect it. And look, the the place was almost underwater on Sunday morning anyway with... um, uh, yeah, what what uh, us Victorians would call a torrential downpour. Uh, the rain was very hard, and it lasted some time. And walking around the paddock was uh, was absolute uh, an absolute mess. My green shoes were totally totally uh, saturated, so it made for an uncomfortable day. But look, yeah, you're right. It um, you know it, it was pretty cold, but um, we've got marquee events in. Um, at the start of the year and towards the end of the year, and uh, you know, for those uh, particular for, for particular climates and, and other things. So, to be honest, Queensland Raceway really does suit being in the in the middle of the year, uh, where you know it's it's impossible to race anywhere down in Victoria. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, so to be honest, I don't mind the timing of it. Mm. Ben, 
Well, I, I think um, there's sort of two things to that. One thing I'd say is they run the drag racing down the road, the Winter Nationals in winter, so I think people are used to maybe going out there in the winter time. It's got to be a totally different mindset and set up to, to race at night. You know, it's um, to get people out there for an afternoon into the evening is, is a big call, especially for young families. But from a television perspective, you know, it's probably the way they've really got to look at, you know, getting that event a real, you know... Um, polish up because it needs that point of difference you know that the short two races on the saturday was good but can you imagine if that was say on a, on a saturday evening and, and you were able to show a race at 7 30 in the in the evening that goes through to quarter past eight 15 minute break race two is on at 8 30 it's all done sort of quarter past nine telecast finishes at 9 30 it'd be outstanding for, for from a television perspective you know to have that sort of live element i think in the end what was really up against them was the fact that you know they were trying one of the biggest uh issues for channel seven is to go up against football and they still would have been going up against football and uh that's probably the big challenge for them they're going to look at a night race format is to get it again at a, a time of year that's uh comfortable for the fans it's, that has to be a consideration but also when they're going to get the most out of the television coverage and maybe having that race like you say in the warmer months when it's outside of the footy window as well would work better mm. now ben was the lounge domination the key to the weekend or was it the the new guns making their mark that you took away from it as being the key point i, I think a bit of both uh, to me the for everybody else craig lounge when he gets on a roll uh it was about this time last year heading into the in the endurance races i don't know why it always seems to be around this time of the year. You know, last year he, he just absolutely dominated, you know, Phillip Island and then Bathurst. And um, it, was a, it was a good run for him. And that's, that's the ominous sign you take out of it. You know, Lowndes was fastest on Friday in practice, which he has been before this year, but hasn't really carried it over the weekend. I think he's had a pole here and there. But it was even a surprise to me to think that the first win on Saturday was his first race win since Tasmania. And you just think that he wins when Jamie doesn't. <laughs> but it has been the case that he hasn't been winning when Jamie doesn't. He's right up there in the championship too. So it hasn't been like he's been smoked by uh, Win Cup. Win Cup's obviously been out front, but Craig's collected podiums. So, you know, it's a big result for him for the points-wise to get back into the show. Heading into two races, which carry so many points because you don't have these real multi um, race weekends at Phillip Island, they sort of combine the qualifying points with the result, but the, res- but the with the race result. But the 500 kilometre race carries so many points, and then you get to Bathurst, and all the points count on Sunday. So, you know, at that time of year, he's really getting himself back into this championship chase. Um, Tim Slade, unbelievable, and also Saturday and Sunday in the past, you've seen some guys who have a, have a wow of a Saturday, but they can't can't carry it over to Sunday. Well, well Tim did it all. And, you know, to get a two second places and a third place, and especially in the Sunday race where it ran all the way green, over 200 kilometres, and he finished, you know, less than two seconds behind Craig Lowndes. And, yes, Craig was controlling the race. But third place, which was Shane Van Gisbergen, was something like 30-odd seconds behind, which around Queensland Raceway was at least another half a lap behind. That was enormous. And for him to, to keep his head, drive the car straight, drive the car fast, look after the tyres, I mean, he could have got sucked into, I, want, I really want to chase Craig down here and burn up the rears of his of his tyres. He didn't do that. He did a fantastic job. So, um, yeah, two big stars out of that. If it was probably another wing cup domination and Tim Slade second, we'd be talking more about Tim Slade. Mm. Grant, what were your thoughts? Was it Lowndes or was it the Young Guns? Oh, yeah, look, definitely the Young Guns. 
uh, I mean, look, as Ben said, uh, Craig's done a fantastic job and to be less than 100 points away from Jamie Winkup at this point of the year heading into uh, probably the championship deciding two races coming up is uh, is critical and it, uh, it, it's going to set up a an excellent championship battle. Unfortunately, they're both in the same colours, but let's see what the Enduros bring. Mm. But, uh, you know, just adding on to some of the young guns that uh, Ben didn't mention, obviously Tim Slade did an excellent job. But, uh, also, we saw James Moffat finish fourth in the Jim Beam Racing Falcon. He, uh, obviously a career best, and, uh, you know, he's, um, after a difficult start to the year, he's coming good, and, uh, you know, it might not be too long until, uh, look, I'm sure it's not going to be too long until we see a brand new race winner, and, um, you know, two months ago, I definitely wouldn't have suggested that James Moffat would be that person, but, um, He's, he's put himself up there, so let's, uh, it might not be too long until we see him grab a, grab a podium. Maybe not the endurance races, but uh, when we get into the single driver races after the Gold Coast, uh, if they can continue, if Dick Johnson Racing can continue to put um, put a good car on the on the field, because both him and Stephen Johnson have uh, had a, a very very good um, Queensland Raceway. Mm. The other guy who did exceptionally well uh, for someone who hasn't won a V8 Supercars race yet was David Reynolds, uh, fast in, fast on Friday, qualified extremely well and, and picked up a fifth-place result in Sunday's long race behind. Look, I, I, I can't see any reason why those two guys, certainly Reynolds maybe, if, he can, uh, if they can get the car to last the whole distance, it's not going to be too long until he's got some trophies to put up on his mantle. Mm, and I'll even let you call him Reynolds in the show here, even if Chris won't at the press conferences. Hey, it's time to take a break on the V8 Insiders and go into Gas and Go right after this. Gas and Go is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. Gas and Go on the V8 Insiders brought to you by V8X Magazine. Well, here's five questions and good luck keeping it to three minutes. Grand Rolly... Alan Gow says uh, he and James Courtney were disappointed with HRT management. Hey, presto, the management is gone. Who else has that much power in the uh, driver's seat in the series? Uh, who else? Uh, not many people. They're, they're definitely in Australian motorsport. Those two guys are definitely in the top three, or certainly Alan Gow would be. Uh, look, James is uh, a excellent driver. He's the reigning champion. He gets paid a lot of money to do what he does, and deservedly so. And he's got a high-profile team manager, uh, driver manager in Alan Gow, who isn't just a driver manager. You know, he's got extreme influence all around the world in uh, lots of areas of motorsport. So um, they'd be pretty hard beat to find to, for you to find someone who um, has more power than them on the local scene. Mm-hmm. Ben. Um. I agree with Grant. The one thing I'd say, Alan Gow uh, champions himself has been a great manager. And he obviously didn't do his due diligence when he recommended him to go to HRT if then he turns around and wanted a management change. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, yeah, he um, 
clearly has a lot of influence, um, makes that well known. And I think there's some other things maybe he'd had written into uh, James Courtney's contract that we don't quite know about or might have not raised its head just yet. So, you know, if things don't improve, there might be some other things that Alan might claim that uh, they didn't have too much influence over, but I think they will. Mm. Will Paul Morris Ben be employing a Fujitsu series driver or a Fujitsu driver? <laughs> Well, um, there's so many rumours of, of who's going where and when, and, and the big name of what he's going to do next year is Lee Holdsworth. It's now pretty much apparent that um, uh, Lee will not be staying with the Fujitsu GRM team. Um, where he ends up, uh, there's quite a few options. There's a few drivers out of contract. There's some seats potentially available. Um, both on the Ford and the Holden side. Probably what's really mixed this one right up now is the fact that uh, Paul Dumbrell has announced that he will step back from full-time driving next year. So um, maybe a, a spot of um, Lee Holdsworth ending up at Paul Morris's uh, isn't uh, that going to happen or is it going to happen? And probably Lee's uh, probably had himself a few options and now he's got a couple more. So uh, he's got the... Uh, one of the good things from his side of uh, things is that he, he, he's the one who can make the decision. He, uh, he's obviously got people wanting him, and he can look at the next couple of races, even if he can wait that long to, to announce that or, or, have it, or have it locked away and then uh, let us all know in, in due course when he's actually allowed to announce where he's going. Mm. Grant? Well, look, to answer your question about Paul Morris Motorsport, there's, some, there's a lot of things that need to be decided there and uh, I guess on the driver front Russell Ingle is um, flexible he's got super cheap auto as his major backer He uh, and, and he has options because there's teams out there who need drivers and, and need sponsors so uh, look if Russell Ingle leaves that team then I'm sure Russell has uh, quite a number of options to uh, probably finish up his career away from away from there. He's uh, he told SpeedCafe.com that he's uh, guaranteed to be on the grid next year. Where he's going to be, uh, we're not too sure yet. But uh, one thing's for sure, we haven't seen the last of Russell and yet, and probably for good reason as well, because um, without that clash with James Courtney in Sunday's race, he was probably going to finish inside the top ten, um, which is about probably um, uh, the, the best we're, we're going to see of Russell, a top five these days for him would be uh, an extremely good result. So, um, yeah, look, Ben was, as Ben was saying, you know, there's lots to go on. There's so much to go on. And um, we're not quite sure exactly where the uh, pieces are, are going to fall and how different teams are, are going to look next year. Mm. Now, Grant, Todd Kelly has released some of the reins at Kelly Racing. Will this translate into better results? Well, it should. I guess that's the reason why Todd's done it. He, he wants to concentrate on the racing. He wants to get back to uh, he wants to get back to, to winning form, which we've uh, which we know he can do, which we've seen him do in the past at at HRT and even driving for uh, Perkins Engineering um, in the in, in 2008. Uh, Looking, he's finished on podiums uh, even this year in the Jack Daniels Racing Commodore. So, you know, there's no reason why he can't do it. He's just, um, at the moment, does, doesn't have the consistency that his younger brother has, who's able to, for whatever reason, always graft out a result, whether it's... Uh, usually it's in the top ten. Um, but 
but more often than not, it's, it's in the top six. Uh, the Kelly Racing cars continue to improve as well. Uh, Rick's running fourth. Todd's down in 24th. Um, so... Uh, I guess Todd's hoping the uh, you know this management restructure that they announced prior to Queensland Raceway will will help him move forward, and, and I guess he's the only one who can pull himself away, pull himself back from the day-to-day duties, and, and focus on being a race driver. Mm, ben, well, let's hope it's the it's the um, thing that can help you know Todd get to the front. As Grant mentioned, he's too good a driver to be way back there. And you can have a look at it like he's always... He's been in a lot of accidents and that this year. The fact is, that's because he's starting so far back that when things happen in front of him, I don't think... I think he's been... I'd be fair to say, if he's had an accident this year, they've all happened just in front of him. He hasn't caused any. He hasn't hit anybody. Uh, I can think at Winton there was... um, uh, Will Davison was turned around and then everybody went in and Todd was right in the middle... On the weekend, um, Alex Davison and Carl Reindler got together and Alex checked up. Todd went into the back of him, into the back of Alex, and then Courtney went into the back of Todd. And that sort of summed up not only just where Todd's running, but also where James is uh, running as well to be in an accident, you know, for sort of mid-pack to the back of the pack. So, you know, to take all those other distractions off him in terms of running the team. And the thing is, they run, they're running five cars at Bathurst and four cars regularly. They're built. They're, they're expanding their facility. There's a lot going on away from the race weekend, and it's probably a case of when Todd gets into the race car, that's the only time he actually can think about, okay, I'm going racing now. He doesn't have all these other things to think about, and the team are wanting, and the team being himself and his brother, and um, and also uh, the other senior management there, they need his his skills to be in the race car because if the performance is good on the racetrack, that helps all the other parts of the business hmm. and that is really what you know is the number one priority is to make sure that the business is is um is doing well and doing well means getting some winning race cars at the front and out of four cars if uh they've already shown you know rick's going very well he's had a couple of race wins reynolds has been right up there and then also greg murphy and i'm sure in todd's mind he doesn't like being the guy who's mentioned as number four in that group you know he's a racer at the end of the day and he wants to be right up there mixing it with all these guys i mean he'd love a situation where he has all four cars in the top five uh, but right now he's probably got three cars in the top ten and the, the fourth car being himself battling around 20th. Mm, now two questions left, gas and go now, and it's six minutes. Will, uh, Jason Bright says he's never been closer to the perfect setup in a V8 supercar. Will the BOC gases car, Ben, be a factor in the Enduros? Um, a big factor. Two things. Jason's always good in those uh, races. Uh, I can remember in, uh, when he ran his own team at Brightech, he nearly won Bathurst by doing something out of the box, and then the rain came late, which seemed to ruin everybody's race. But also, he's driving for a team that just is unbelievably good at those endurance races um, from Brad Jones Racing. And he's bringing some form. He's won two races this year. On uh, One, it was at Winton, and you might say, hey, you know, that's Brad Jones' test track, but it's a lot of other people's test tracks. But also, he won a race over in WA. So uh, he's going... Well, I mean, probably of late their form has slipped a little bit. One of the issues is obviously the reliability over such a long distance. But in terms of pace, especially at the mountain, even, you know, pretty much in the last 10 years when you say who's going to be doing what, you've always thrown in Brad Jones racing cars to be um, right up there. And they've they've proven it. They've had podium finishes. Uh, They've obviously had in the past um, people like Jason 
who's done who's scored podiums for them. The big factor, I guess, with all of this is is Jason Bright going to share the car with Jason Richards because of um, Jason Richards' battle with cancer. But even in saying that, you know, that's the nice thing that we'd want to see and we'd love to see. But no matter what, that, that team will go to those races with uh, with every reason to feel that they could be getting a good result. Grant, for sure, they'll they'll contend. They'll have, uh, like as Ben was saying, it'd be great if Jason Richards was there to do it with Bridie because there's no doubt about uh, Jason Bright's speed around Bathurst and there's, uh, as far as history is concerned, BJ always seemed to be able to put a good car on the track for those big races. Of course, they've, they got a podium at Phillip Island last year as well, which you shouldn't forget. Um, so, yeah, definitely a factor. Um, maybe the only question mark is Andrew Jones, who is likely to be his enduro partner but really uh, there shouldn't be a question mark there the guy uh, won a race at Queensland Raceway in the Fujitsu series he's done plenty of miles there and he doesn't need to go out and be the lead driver he only needs to be the uh, the one who brings it back nicely for Bridie um, to uh, to attack in that last stint and if he's anywhere close to the front in that um, in that in the final shootout then um, the BAC cars could be ones to challenge the, the likes of Triple Eight. Mm, finally, on Gas and Go, Morris gets a security sponsor in the Fujitsu series. Guards were around all weekend. Was that to protect him or everyone else who was in the paddock? Grant? It might be to protect him from himself, maybe. Um, yeah, it's a, it was a nice little, uh, a nice little. Uh, gag, I guess. They've had Sergeant Security as their sponsor on the VIP car for um, for all of this year, and uh, those guys had decided to step up for the weekend and take on Morris's full car, and I believe they're going to be the major backer of that entry for all of the other Fujitsu rounds that Morris decides to do. Um, look, I guess what you're alluding to here is that uh, Paul has got himself in a little bit of strife over... Um, over the past few few rounds, uh, incidents with Percat and Rodney Jane come to mind in Perth and Townsville. Um, you know, it's a nice little gag. I guess Paul is trying to be the um, the uh, opinionated and character of uh, of V8 supercars. Um, so yeah, mate. I don't know. Sometimes his execution might not be uh, perfect, but. Um, it's, uh, you know, having those sort of characters is what the sport needs, and, and that's what he's trying to achieve. Mm. Ben, well, I think it was ironic that the, the weekend that he takes the big security um, sponsorship and, and has that presence, he was pretty timid on the track. <laughs> <laughs> he, he actually didn't get into any strife or cause any problems, and uh, he also, I know, he'd been watching um, uh, in the United States. Uh, Boris said he's going to be driving for his team, and. Um, at the Gold Coast for the 600, came out with some pretty strong comments directed at Greg Biffle in the NASCAR race that Marcus Ambrose won at Watkins Glen. And uh, I think Morris thought, oh, I've got to step up with some comments here. But unfortunately, he didn't do anything in the race that warranted him, um, you know, getting himself in the limelight. Instead, he actually put his head down and he had a good weekend race-wise. That's Gas and Go for another week. Brought to you by VATX Magazine here on the V8 Insiders. Gas and Go is brought to you by the V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. 
Plenty more ahead here on the V8 Insiders. I hope you stay with us. Find out more about your favourite supercar teams and drivers when we go inside further on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Plenty more ahead here on the V8 Insiders. I hope you stay with us. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Ben Beasley from Fox Sports and Grant Rowley from Speed Cafe. Joining me, Craig Ravel. And guys, uh, we'll wrap up this weekend. i uh, got an interesting question, though, for you, Grant. FPR and HRT's performance, as we move into some hard tyre rounds, and especially the Enduros, will that fix their ills? Well, uh, you, would, you would think so. Certainly for FPR, they have just been hopeless on the soft tyres. It's just been an embarrassment. Both drivers have have come out and said post-race, um, you know, to be running around in 19th, and that was the best result of any of the four FPR cars. Tony Delberto in his FPR-built Falcon was actually the fastest, uh, set the fastest lap on Sunday's race. So, um, you know, if the, if, uh, the likes of Winterbottom and uh, Davison... Uh, no disrespect to Alberto at all, but um, you know if they're being outshone in some ways by by Tony, then um, you know the, the, there's, there should be some question marks there. Tony certainly could uh, you know run within a tenth of them, but um, it's not what you expect from the factory team. Uh, and look, HRT weren't as but they certainly weren't as bad as what um, what FBR were. Uh, I think um, Tanda ran Tanda and both Fabian Coulthard ran. To top ten finishes, uh, James Courtney w- could have probably been up there as well, if not for a little bit of a um, little bit of an incident with Russell Wingle. Um, the, yeah, the hard tyre will, will help them, and uh, certainly Bathurst will help them as well. Uh, both teams have been incredibly fast up there. HRT, obviously, with uh, recent success, podium last year. They won in two thousand and nine. No, nothing to say that Tander won't go up there as uh, as one of the races favourites but um, uh, yeah they've uh, obviously got a bit of work to do on the soft tyre and um, everyone talks about how Phillip Island and Bathurst are coming up next with the hard tyre but after that there is a string of soft tyre races to finish off the year Um, so they need to, they've got they've got uh, less than two months to do some pretty serious work otherwise um, you know, we could see the um, we could see one of those entries quite easily win Bathurst and then not be a factor in any of the races for the rest of the year. Mm, ben, well, the one thing you always say at Bathurst, especially, is that a, a result up there can save you year, no matter what you've done for the rest of the year. It's one thing that people will remember and hold on to, and they need it. 
both teams really need it. Yes, Tander has won two races and Courtney's taken a single race victory. But FPR um, have not won a race this year. Uh, Winterbottom's had poles. He had, I think, three consecutive poles at one stage and just could not turn them into to results. They had the ability on the soft tyre prior to this weekend still to qualify really well. On this last weekend in Queensland, they couldn't even qualify very well. And then that just meant that once they were in the race, they, they had no opportunity to get to the front. HRT was not much better in qualifying, although Tanda was um, the pick to sort of make his way through the pack. But then on the Saturday in uh, the first race, he um, had a clash of wheels and got a puncture. So he had to start back again to make his way forward. On Sunday, probably for HRT, a rather unspectacular race for Tanda, but he grabbed um, seventh place finish with Fabian Coulthard right behind him in the uh, other Walkinshaw car. So, you know, you probably take some positives out of out of that, uh, all things considered. But their standards are so much higher than, than where they've been, and they're not even close. And uh, even worse, <laughs> the Holden Racing team, they had Ryan Walkinshaw there, the owner of the team, you know, to see firsthand how difficult uh, their season has been. And uh, and also the thing with James Courtney, every single race weekend he's managed to do some sort of damage that has eliminated him from one of the races. Now, at um, Phillip Island and Bathurst, these are single single Sunday races. You can, I mean, if he's going to break his um, weekend's uh, run of, of having an out somewhere along the line, you know, he'd really want to do it up at those at those races and just complete a solid weekend and he'll probably surprise himself by being right up there in the mix at the end. But FPR, they've been very strong at Bathurst in qualifying once again in the past and uh, probably the race in 2007 when uh, it rained at the end and Frosty went across the sand trap has really been their, their, their one big chance of winning the thing. Two years ago when they qualified and Pole were out front and they had an electrical problem and they threw the extra battery in the boot without it came loose the whole rear of the car went up in flames you know just sort of summed up you know how their weekends have been completed at, at Mount Panorama um, but the look on the driver's faces on the weekend especially from the FPR camp they knew that um, it was the, probably the most disappointing weekend I'd, I'd have to say probably the most disappointing weekend for Frosty in an FPR car after all those years because he, he especially at a point in the year when you want to have momentum going to these big races he's probably looking although they're going to get back onto the hard tyre that's probably the only positive he can take out of it because otherwise their form hasn't been any good Mm, it has been a a disappointing weekend for uh, both those marquee teams hasn't it guys thanks very much for your time joining us this evening on v8 insiders and uh, bem look forward to having you back on again soon no worries and grant always a pleasure to catch up with you Thanks. Stay tuned to speakofa.com for the latest. As the uh, we come back with the white flag lap. Well, I think the most important part, it's it's probably not what we want, it's what the fans want. And this format, it, it probably, you know, it, it's better suited for them because, you know, they see... Well, I mean, for example, my personal preference when I watch, say, motor racing at home, I don't want to watch... NASCAR, I really struggle to watch NASCAR because it's bloody goes for three hours. Whereas I watch the British touring cars or the European touring cars, you've got three short races, there's plenty of action. And, um, and I, as a spectator, I really enjoy watching that. But as a driver, I mean, I prefer the longer races. Well, I mean, when you're in a good position, I prefer them to be as short as possible because you want it to be over. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I mean, yeah, I, I do prefer those, those longer races. I guess it brings more of that team element 
into it. Um, you know, as Adrian said, with the with the pit stops, because uh, you know all of those guys are equally as important as as what the driver is um you know it's pretty hard to make up a tenth on the track but it's pretty easy to lose seconds in the pit stop so yeah i think there's two sides of it but um i think the most important part is to you know suit what the fans want you want me to add that i think the well the only thing i can i was thinking of is uh, what we did many years ago uh back in 1995 some people might remember it um to actually uh to actually qualify the cars, we actually did a pit stop qualifying, where we drove the cars down, did a pit stop, drove them out, like out of pit lane, completed the lap, and that was our from start from go to woe basically. So we included a pit stop in our qualifying lap. So um, if you want uh, the format today was fantastic. I think it was great. If you want to include a pit stop, qualify with pit stop. Yeah, we'll do that. You do that? <clears throat> yeah. Thought I'd be happy. So get your pit stop in. <laughs> I think they actually do that in the. Um is it the Bud Shootout or the All Star? Sorry, NASCAR. When they they do that for qualifying, so implement I think all the circuits thing. need different formats. You know, like if we'd had this format like we had today, it works. But if you'd done this at Eclipse when you've got a grandstand over the over the other side of the pit straight with twenty thousand people watching all the chaos going on in the break, that would have added another dimension. But Eclipse doesn't need that um, that style of format because it's got its own unique event and its success on it as it is already here would add a grandstand over the middle of the track would be fantastic for the spectators so they've got to be got to be different maybe we could put a jump down the back straight (laughs) (laughs) there's there's close to one into one (laughs) some interesting thoughts there my thanks to grant roley ben beasley and james moffat as the checker flag waves on another edition of the v8 insiders Till next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.